When I retired, with lots of newfound available time, I enjoyed many travel opportunities. This podcast may encourage you to visit, revisit, or experience virtual armchair travel, learning about exciting new venues. Travel is an excellent vehicle for lifelong learning. Welcome to the What Travel Writers Say podcast. I'm Mike Keenan, your host, and today we discuss remarkable Raleigh, North Carolina. As Canadian snowbirds on our way back home from the south, this year we decided to employ Raleigh, North Carolina's capital city, as a two-day break, and we were happy that we did. The natives were friendly, the weather wonderful, and there was much to see and do in Raleigh, named after Sir Walter. The first day we didn't arrive until near supper time, and given that we had tickets to the evening's Hurricanes Blues hockey game, I discovered the Backyard Bistro located almost directly across the road from the PNC Arena. It was jammed with locals and fans wearing hockey jerseys of both teams. The service was excellent, the food quite tasty and reasonably priced, so much so that we made a point of returning the next night. Parking at the arena was uncomplicated, the lot surrounding the building, but I dreaded the inevitable congestion after the game, which the Canes won 5-2 in a battle of two of the hottest clubs in the National Hockey League since the beginning of the 2019 season. Sebastian Ejo scored the game-winning goal on a shorthanded play in the second period. The game featured quick, clean hockey, from two teams advancing towards the playoffs. Hurricanes fans were incredibly passionate, whether performing the wave or cheering before and after each goal. Curmudgeon Don Cherry, the analyst for Hockey Night in Canada, had made fun of the team for its hilarious post-game antics, calling them a bunch of jerks. This night, four-time heavyweight boxing champion Evander Holyfield put on the gloves and went toe-to-toe with the Canes' Jordan Martinuk at center ice with a fan brandishing a homemade sign that read, Bunch of Jerk. He knocked out Martinuk with one punch. The comatose Martinuk then dragged off the ice by two teammates. At the conclusion of the team's signature celebration, the fans loved it. The $158 million PNC Arena seats up to 20000 home to both the 2006 Stanley Cup champions, the Carolina Hurricanes, and North Carolina State University men's basketball. On an annual basis, the PNC Arena welcomes over 1.5 million guests and plays host to more than 150 events, including major concert tours and family shows. After the game, we anxiously ventured into the surrounding parking spaces. Remarkably, with the police changing all the street routes to one way, we literally sailed out in record time. I was impressed. The next day, we drove around the city, amazed at the shrubs and trees beginning to flower, while back home, lots of snow remained. We made one futile attempt at shopping at the Crabtree Valley Mall with 220 stores. 
but reluctantly we gave up after not locating a parking spot in a 10-minute search. It was really crowded. Next, we visited the North Carolina Museum of Art, its galleries featuring masterpieces that span 5,000 years. Equally impressive were the adjacent 164 acres of public art and trails that invite relaxation and reflection, as well as world-class musical performances. One exhibit inside featured distinctive Rodin sculptures, many resembling those I admired at the Rodin Museum in Philadelphia, including an outdoor shallow pool graced by the master's artwork. We witnessed many families enjoying a fine sunny day. Admission to the East and West Building's permanent collection and the museum park is free, and an amphitheater sits near the complimentary parking area. We did encounter heavy traffic, but a highway, the 440, circles the city and makes it easy to get anywhere fast. We stayed at the Best Western Hotel, North Downtown. We have always been happy with their product, which includes breakfast in the morning. In the evening, we took in a performance by the accomplished North Carolina Symphony at the gorgeous Duke Energy Center for the Performing Arts. Youthful conductor Clemens Schuld, born in Bremen, Germany, mesmerized the audience with dramatic energy throughout the program, which included the Romanian Concerto by Gheorghe Ligeti and the Violin Concerto in D Major by Eric Korngold, both of these new to me, as well as the evening's feature presentation, Brahms Symphony No. 2 in D Major. The venue was beautifully lit at night in downtown Raleigh, and for us Canadians, the Duke Appalachian is far better known as a first-rate university and a perennial basketball powerhouse seemingly always to make its perilous way in the annual March Madness tournament well into the exciting finals. The Duke Energy Center for the Performing Arts actually consists of five impressive auditoriums, including the Symphony's Maimandi Concert Hall, which opened in 2001. In a corner of the large lobby area, we listened to an informative pre-performance talk, and we discovered that it took Brahms a full 14 years to produce his first symphony. However, once he seemingly got the hang of it, he then knocked off this night's symphony in a matter of only a few months. We learned also that in 1853, Brahms met Clara Schumann, his soulmate, lifelong friend, artistic collaborator, and probably his lover. She was one of the greatest pianists in the world, married to composer Robert Schumann and mother of six children, soon to become pregnant with number seven. Shortly after they met, Clara's husband Robert attempted suicide, his mind afflicted by syphilis. He died in an asylum, and Brahms rushed to Clara's side, where he remained for the next two and a half years until Robert's death. It was during this extraordinary time that Brahms fell helplessly in love with Clara. Thus, we were advised to be particularly attentive in Symphony Number no. 2 to a pervading sense of longing in Brahms' music. Serendipitously, violinist Jin Ju Chu from Montreal was guest soloist. We were fortunate to catch someone of Chu's caliber. She's performed at distinguished international venues and festivals all over the world. Chu is on the violin faculty at the Schulich School of Music at McGill University in Montreal and has previously taught at the Cleveland Institute of Music and Oberlin Conservatory. With Governor Roy Cooper having proclaimed 2019 the year of music, the North Carolina Symphony's schedule looks promising 
with a time-treasured classical repertoire as their cornerstone. Symphonies by Mozart, Brahms, Shostakovich, the beloved Rachmaninoff Piano Concerto No. 2, Stravinsky's Dazzling Suite from the Firebird, and much more, including non-classical music featuring the music of Whitney Houston, Billy Joel, and Moving Out for Broadway Buffs. Would we return to rally? You bet. We only scratched the surface. There are many more eateries to try and places to explore. And who knows, maybe even a parking spot at the Crabtree Valley Mall just might open up. To read my travel articles, go to my website at whattravelwriterssay.com. And for travel pictures, go to my Pinterest boards at pinterest.com backslash mustang6648. If you have any questions or comments, please contact me at mjk6648 at gmail.com. We conclude each podcast with an appropriate travel quote. Today it's from St. Augustine who said, The world is a book, and those who do not travel read only one page. Thanks for listening. Happy travels, and tune in again next week for another What Travel Writers Say podcast.